Welcome to a special edition of Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, events, and issues surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm Stephen Conway. With me, as always, Jeremy Finestone. It is G1 Finals Day. We're doing a special show here on Sunday to talk about the big card. And cards, really, there were two of them, the semifinals and the finals, from Ryugoku Kukujikan. And, Jeremy, I'm just going to say up front that the crowds, the... Energy in the building, the wrestling we saw right here. This was as close as I have felt, and it's not totally there, but as close as I felt to pre-pandemic New Japan. I had a lot of fun watching these shows this weekend. How'd you feel about what you saw from the last two days of G1 Climax 33? These were the two most fun shows that I've had watching New Japan in quite a long time. Maybe, Maybe even before Dominion. I liked them more than the Dominion show. And I think the energy from the crowd definitely helped, but it also, you had a spotlight show where there were very select singles matches, but everyone else was put in a position to set you up to tell you who they were, what was going on, and what their future plans were, and I'm here for the uh, short-term directions that New Japan has. And I just want to say hello to some of the folks watching live right here. Colin is with us, of course. We're very excited to have you here, Colin. Uh, thanks for coming. Brad, glad to see you as well. This is uh, one of the reasons we like going live. We get to interact with you guys during the show. Hello so, and yeah. hello. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we're going to talk about a few things here. Uh, we're going to go over the semifinals briefly and then talk about today's card. Boy, a lot of things were set up for the future. So we have a good idea of what mm-hmm. we're in for in the fall of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, of course, now we know who's going to be headlining the uh, Tokyo Dome. So there's so much to talk about. But let's get into, first of all, the two nights at Sumo Hall. Ryo Goku Kakujika. 6,575 people for the semifinals. Sounded 8, way more than that. <laughs> 8,283 for the finals. and this Sounded is even bit... more than that. They they magnified the sound. The sound yeah. was, sounded great. And Collins with us on this one. He says the, the two best days of the tournament, and I agree, it was uh, New Japan 2019 plus before the crowd was awesome. Yeah, it absolutely was, and they were into everything. And I just want to say, this is the biggest crowd in uh, Ryogoku Kakujikan since the King of Pro Wrestling, October 2014, 2019. So while there were some nights of this tournament where I was a little worried about it, I was a little worried about it, uh, it did pick up momentum toward the end. And the crowd seemed to come with it. We're going to talk a little bit later. About, you know, you it's, know what's also interesting about that crowd? Uh, uh, yes, because the walk-up was really strong. Okay. After Sonata got eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Uh, no, there was not, not a coincidence. A, I, I honestly don't no, think I that's actually, a based off of what I'm about to say, I, I think you're on to something. That crowd was hot for Naito, Okada, Hiroshi Tenzan, Tanahashi. This was a very old school, traditional New yeah. Japan crowd that had yeah. old favorites and they were locked in on them. And the reaction Tenzan got. Uh, on yeah. both nights, I think yeah. everybody watching, everybody in the arena, including uh, Charlton and Kelly, were just like, okay, he is my favorite. <laughs> and Brad mentions that while I enjoy the whole G1, these two shows were absolutely incredible and today had some huge surprises. They really did. They threw some interesting uh, curveballs at us, and we'll be talking about all those here. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a show that had great wrestling. Some of these tags, Jeremy, were really fantastic today. Yeah. The guys felt the energy from this crowd. And, and the fact that they were vocal right away from the very beginning, it really did feel a, a little bit pre-pandemic-y. And by the way, I mentioned, biggest crowd since King of Pro Wrestling, October mm-hmm. 24th, 2019. 
just to give you an idea, that, that show was just over 9,000. This one was just over 8,000. So that one drew 1,000 more before the pandemic. So this is a strong turnout today. Let me show you how loaded the King of Pro Wrestling show was from October 2019. Uh, Osprey defended the junior heavyweight title against El Fantasmo. Okada defended the world heavyweight title against Sanada. Kota, Obi, Obu, uh, Kota Ibushi, I don't know why I had trouble saying that name. Kota Ibushi won a number one contenders match to uh, face uh, the, the winner of that Okada-Sanada match. Lance Archer defeated Juice Robinson for the Whoa. U.S. title. <laughs> and it was the special match, if you remember, for the retirement tour of Jushin Thunder Liger, where he faced and lost to Minoru Suzuki. And afterwards, Minoru Suzuki did that deep kneeling bow to Jushin right. Liger in right. the Rio Goku Kakuji Khan ring. So a loaded show. That's Cannot believe how long ago that was. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it feels like almost four years, but it feels like a lifetime in some ways right there. So You know, uh, with those crowds, you know who I lived vicariously through uh, when I was watching the show was uh, Eddie Kingston. When he yes. came out on the semifinals, and he <laughs> and it was the first big, big show that he had been to after doing probably 20 nights of tours, including the strong tours. At the beginning of July, this was like, he walked out, and he was like, whoa. Mm. And you could see it on his face when he came out, and he was in the ring. And it felt great. It felt like everyone felt the magic of New Japan, like kind of coalescing in one night. And uh, that's a, a big moment to check out in the, in the semifinals. We talked a little bit on Thursday about Eddie Kingston having met Toshiaki Kawada and his all-time hero and a neat video they did and put on New Japan World. It was interesting because in that video, he said that as a guy that grew up watching all Japan in the 90s, his big dream uh, is to work at Budokan Hall. And the, the, the driver was talking to him, the producer and things, mentioned, well, you know, New Japan is more sumo hall and all Japan was Budokan Hall. That was their big thing. And he says, yeah, all the kids want to go to the Tokyo Dome. I want to go to Budokan Hall. There was a little bit of recognition in him as he walked out, especially today. Looking around that building was like, "Ooh, boy, this Sumo Hall thing's real too." <laughs> you know, like it's not just Budokan, but you you got the idea. And of course, they put him in a match today where he was with just tons of legends. So again, uh, Eddie's oh, living his best life so in Japan. Fun. Yeah, might take a military maneuver to get him on the plane coming home. And again, uh, that I mentioned how much Kojima? I. That, that I mentioned sequence, that was great. <laughs> I mentioned how much I relate to Eddie Kingston all the time, just because I lived this when I when I went to New Japan. Of course, I'm not a wrestler, but I went to all these landmarks and all these famous places that are associated with wrestling. And I was a, just a goofy little kid, and I see Eddie's uh, smile on his face in these videos here. And I asked my girlfriend, I said, "Is that what I look like when I was at Tsudowokan? Is that what I look like when I went to Cork and all?" And she said, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, you look just like that, just this stupid face." Uh, yeah, <laughs> let's hear some Eddie Kingston love before we move on because it's worth it. Uh, Colin says, I wish Eddie could stay in New Japan. He's a fantastic fit for him. Boy, howdy, isn't it? Isn't it? He is just, he fits in with those bruisers. And he's right in there with, you know, Makabe and Ishii and even Goto and things. He's, he's uh, fits that style wonderfully. And Brad mentions Eddie's face taking the machine gun shots from Kojima today. You can see how he loved every second. That's true. He almost had a smile on his face when taking chops from Kojima because he was like, I can't believe I get to do this. So, so uh, we all, there's a little of Eddie in all of us in there. So, so Colin mentioned uh, how good Eddie looked at being in New Japan. He should stay. How confident do you feel that they will keep the iron hot with Eddie Kingston and AEW after this run in G1? 
Oh, I think it's helped him. I, I think I think this is nothing but good news for him. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be back in New Japan. I think he's going to be working some of these strong shows. I, I'm going to that show in Las Vegas in October. I've got my ticket, and I am hoping that Eddie's on that show. I hope he continues the association with both companies because he really meshes well with each. I don't. Well, think he probably won't be him. working on Collision that night. Probably not be working Collision that night. But yeah, I, I thought that he was. <laughs> I thought that, that was a strong thing for him. I, and again, he's the strong champion. He has a challenger set up now. We know that, and we'll talk about it in a, in a bit. And it's a good challenger for him. It's somebody he can have a really good match with. I, I think nothing but uh, the future is very bright for him in both companies because he's going to come back. He's got a ready-made feud with Claudio, with mm-hmm. Wheeler Yuta, and all the mm-hmm. guys from Blackpool Combat Club for trying to injure him before the G1 in storyline. And that's made already. He's already over in aew he's gotten over in new japan i think we're going to see him a lot in both companies and i'm i'm here for it there is a small small fear that i have that he will be treated more like a willow nightingale as they will have cred but that will use as a stepping stone for other stars and i disagree with that approach and i hope that that is not the case but given the uh Given the plan, like Tony Kong's predilection to stick to whatever plans he has, despite whatever momentum people are displaying, this is one thing that I just like, make sure Eddie Kingston's momentum is supremely followed up in AEW. Jeremy, that never happens in pro wrestling. Promoters right. don't stick to their guns when they have a plan and the crowd tells them something different. Oh, that never high. happens in North American. Come on, now, that never happens. Never happens. <laughs> a couple more comments before we move on. Brad says New Japan uh, treated Eddie better than any other company has from the moment he stepped foot in Japan. Boy, is that the truth? Uh, I love that for him so much. Me too. I just a guy that's earned it, the guy that's just been good for a long time, and he's getting a stage at 41 years old. Pretty cool to hear. And Colin says if Tony Khan doesn't do something meaningful with Eddie, then he's as dumb as I think he is. <laughs> so, wow. I, you know, uh, <laughs> our own haymakers I, on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I go back and forth on whether Tony I go back and forth on whether Tony's smart. So I kind of I, I understand sometimes there's sometimes I watch AEW and I think that Tony's got Tony has a good head on his shoulders, and other times I watch and I think now nah, he's he's the guy that's paying pro wrestlers to hang out with him. Uh he is confident so I hope, in his I hope instinct, with whether his instincts are correct. <laughs> All right, yeah, he sticks with him. That's fair enough. And uh shout shout out to new Oh, Miguel Rubio's here. Good, Miguel. Shout out to the new Mr. G1. It's not evil. It's Jeremy Fine. Wow. He's absolutely correct. Great string of shows during the last several weeks. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, yes, not that uh, not that Jeremy isn't dialed in or anything, but he won the contest, didn't you? you for, Did to, I? Uh, I? I haven't heard for sure. And I'm looking right now and they haven't updated it, but uh, I don't see how I could have been beaten given the uh, one person that picked the draw on the final night being me, uh, that kind of felt like that put me over the edge. So yeah. I don't know how the finals are calculated. If you get more points for bracket winners in the finals, I did not pick the right winner. I picked Will Ospreay. I don't know if there are any sports betters out there in the audience, but every once in a while you pick a soccer game that has a, excuse me, Colin, a football game. I'm with you on that. Uh, a uh, football game and you pick the draw and it's always, it's always an underdog pick because uh, every once in a while you feel really smart when you get one of those, right? Jerry did that recently. So, all right. Are we ready to go break this, uh, break this whole weekend down? Main event of the main event. 
All right. Wanted to mention one thing. We're excited that we are here live on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel talking about the G1 Climax 33 finals. Great news for those of you. I know several of you out there are big Joshi fans. Uh, Scott Edwards is going to be on at 6 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow. That's 9 p.m. Pacific time uh, on Monday talking about the stardom show from today. We had power bombshells earlier on. And so there's just live show after live show on a big weekend. If you're a fan of uh, Japanese professional wrestling, you know what a big weekend this was. There was a Julia title run. defense. There was, there was a Red Belt title defense. There was a lot of things going on this weekend, uh, a lot of good wrestling. And we've got it covered for you here on Fight Game Media Network. So make sure you uh, check out Power Bombshells, terrific show that's on uh, noon every uh, uh, noon every Sunday, uh, Eastern time. And then uh, Scott Edwards coming on tomorrow to talk about stardom. I'm going to be tuning into that. To hear all about it uh they're in the middle of their hey. g1 the five-star grand prix with uh, great wrestling so uh stick with us fight game media on the live youtube stuff uh, if it's a big event we've got it covered here so david conway did you just yes. do a plug for the network i did a plug for the network are you proud of you me you never do the plug for the network i oh my goodness that was fantastic you oh, covered all so the bases you handled the business my man i am i'm so proud of you and Colin says I'm allowed to call it soccer because I'm American. So thank you, Colin. I appreciate that. I, it's it's difficult to to keep focused on that when you've got American football rolling around. It's almost season uh, for uh, NFL season. So uh, I, I, I'm more excited about Premier League season starting up. So my guys had a draw with uh, Chelsea on the road. So we picked up a road point. Nothing wrong with that. All right. Steven, we cannot go to the 15-minute mark without talking about the main event. So let's get to it, my man. <laughs> We went to uh, the semifinals. I wanted to mention this because, of course, the finals. Kazushika Okada, Tetsuya Naito. One of the biggest matches in all of wrestling, let alone in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Two of the most popular, two of the most famous, two of the most successful. And they brought it down to those two men to finish off uh, the G1 Climax 33. But how we got there was interesting in and of itself. We're not going to break down every match of the semifinals. We just don't have time. But we do want to talk about the two tournament matches there. There were a bunch of interesting preview tags. Again, the, I think the crowd at Ryu Goku really brought out the best in guys who showed a little more energy in what would normally be preview tags, although there were, there were angles. So the semifinals, Okada faced Evil first. The, the main event was Naito and Osprey, which was the correct choice. Uh, but we kind of sweated that, didn't we, Jeremy? You and I texted back and forth, which, we, again, we don't normally do that. We try to keep things as fresh as possible. But we talked a little about Okada and Evil being the semifinal, and we thought, oh, crap, they're not going to do that one last because they don't want to send the crowd home pissed off. Is Evil actually going to win this? And instead, <laughs> they went a different direction, thankfully, but it was... He was an excellent they, I, person to tease you with, and they built it well. So by the time they got to that match, Evil's credibility had been built to such a point where he felt like a legitimate threat to defeating Okada in his rush. Especially because he had the entire House of Torture out there. I, I had in my notes here, the whole fan family's out there to try to help him for this thing. And of course, the story is that Okada is the final boss of professional wrestling. He's just too strong for all of this, too strong for the House of Torture shenanigans. And in this match, uh, there was a ref bump, of course. There was Dick Togo, of course. Show Yujiro Takahashi. Kazusha Okada is too much for all of them. He ran them all off, ended up hitting Evil with a Cobra Flosion and a Rainmaker in 18 minutes and 8 seconds. This was a pretty good match for an Evil match, considering, again, I, I understand that 
the wrestler within that evil character, Watanabe, is a talented guy. My issue is, of course, like the House of Torture kind of weighs him down. Going to talk a little bit about the House of Torture when we get to the finals, because there's some important points to be made about that group and that gimmick and everything here. But as it is, it's not my personal cup of tea. And I know that Watanabe is a better wrestler than this. We saw a lot of wrestling in this and we saw a good match here, but it was a big sigh of relief from both the fans and me that we weren't going to have to see the full on babyface heel dynamic instead we were going to get a really really great match okada versus osprey okada versus naito either version of that is better than the house of torture evil with either of these guys so i was very happy when okada got the win i knew i was going to get a better match in the finals so i was on the discord and i used a comic book analogy to describe this match and why i liked it so much and it wasn't really correct and i finally came came to the right one there is a Captain America Steve Rogers uh, aspect to Okada's Captain New Japan Pro Wrestling. And this, I can do this all day. And you can imagine just evil being a squad of goons and it's just like, okay, you might have a moment on me, but I, I got this. But mm-hmm. not only that, the reason I really like this match is because after all this time, where you have Kazuchika Okada being this salty, badass veteran, just taking his rage out on whoever is in his path. All of a sudden, the House of Torture were in his path, and I was here for it. This wasn't the House of Torture against Okada. This was Okada versus the House of Torture. And they didn't stand a chance against him when it finally came through. And it was just, it was so simple it felt like by the end of him just taking everybody out took out the trash defeated evil get up i'll see you tomorrow that was the okada that i love and that is the okada that we have we have earned it if you've been watching it consistently because you see bits and pieces of the big shows but now that you've seen it piece by piece by piece by piece and then you saw it in this like oh Okay, we're in for a show here. It wasn't the greatest match, but there was a lot of fan service if you've been watching for a long time. There's something very satisfying about somebody who's a little bit heelish turning that on somebody the crowd doesn't like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we saw it with one of the reasons the Road Warriors became such great good guys. One of the reasons the Undertaker, the reason Steve Austin became such great baby faces is because finally that underhanded mean bastard is on our side and he's hurting he's beating beating up the people we don't like so yeah the the salty angry okada just saying enough of this house torture bullshit i'm gonna just knock these guys i'm gonna mow you down and i'm gonna tattoo my name on your ass very satisfying very satisfying Colin colin is glad that evil lost so are we and uh, Brad mentions, yeah, I, I was the one who thought Evil was going to go through to set up Naito versus Evil. We talked it, about a very an, real possibility. It was an excellent tease between Evil having such a run defeating everyone, despite like all these upper tier and upper tier and upper tier baby faces falling to him. You thought, oh, if it ends up being Okada and then it's Naito and Evil to fate for the right to face Shingo, or not Shingo, Sonata. Sonata, all that subtext, yeah. And, and it's like this this whole legacy and lore, and it's just like, it's there to tease you to say like, hey, it's a really v- real and viable thing that I might, as Ghetto, tell you that's going to be happening. 
and he's glad that Okada took that care of business also. So with that, we went into the final knowing that we were going to get an incredible match in the, in the final match the next day. Naito and Osprey. So this match, the finish of it, scared the living hell out of me. I'm wondering if mm. you saw the same thing I did. The crowd was hot for this from the start. So this is another one where you the crowd was vocal from the very beginning. You don't always get that, even post-pandemic. We've talked about how quiet some of these crowds have been. But this one was really going crazy. And they were yelling each guy's names, and it felt a little bit more like a pre-pandemic crowd. Naito worked the neck a lot. That was a little bit of foreshadowing. There was a neck breaker on the apron, and then one to the floor that looked vicious, where Osprey's ass was still on the apron. Dropped him down into a neck breaker, where Osprey basically landed from the apron to the floor on the back of his head. It was okay. Uh, that looked vicious, though. Will hit a shooting star onto Naito while Naito was draped over the ropes. Looked great. Naito hit a DDT out of a powerbomb attempt at the 15-minute mark. That was another fantastic spot. This place was electric at that point. The 15-minute mark, this crowd was just up, 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 up. Naito kicked out of a, in succession, an ass cutter, then a hidden blade, then a leap of faith consecutively, just showing that this man can never die. Uh, he went uh, to, here's where the things went a little bit sideways in this match. Spot where he was supposed to duck an Osprey kick. Either Osprey didn't put the kick high enough or Naito didn't duck enough. I didn't see, but take a look at this one, folks, if you haven't before Clocked. and you haven't looked at he gets kicked hard right in the face and right. he wasn't okay. He was clearly dazed for real. A couple of times he tried to get up and absolutely lost his balance. He was really rattled by that kick right in the face. It was a wicked one. And if you watch the first two Destinos, Jeremy, because there were three to finish the match, watch mm -hmm. the first two. Osprey you can does, hear for the third. <laughs> Osprey does all of it. If yep. you look at those two, watch Osprey. He is, he is trying to get through this match because he knows the finish is nigh. And he just says, oh, we got to get through are these Destino spots. Here you go, buddy. I'll get you through the Destino. <laughs> and he throws Naito into the correct position for the first two. Naito managed to pull it together to get the third. And they Hell of a base, I'll tell you. <laughs> I was really worried about him. I just thought, oh, crap. But he was talking fairly coherently. He didn't have his balance totally, if you watch him. And some of that's selling. Some of it is. Mm -hmm. He didn't have his balance completely. He did talk coherently in both the post-match in the ring and in the post-match comments afterwards. So I think he recovered fairly well. But there were some after effects in that final match against Okada right there. And uh, But Naito did manage to pull it together and get the win in a really, really good match. It was one of the best matches of the entire tournament. Uh, I definitely knew something was up when Will yelled Destino at Naito before the yeah. last one. Uh so loud that I was like, oh, oh, oh something's definitely wrong. Yeah, it was, it was, John, it was John Cena ask. It was, it was Cena ask how loud he called that. It was, <laughs> and it was just to make sure Naito knew what he had to do. Yeah. And it's like, it's fine, you know, as long as Naito's okay. There, there is a cost and effect to the way that they wrestle in New Japan, and I trust their doctors to make the right decision. And based off of how. Naito wrestled tonight. It seemed like he was able to go 35 minutes with and relatively hold it together. Well, let's be clear that the concussion, concussion protocols that we have in American sports and what we're starting to see in football overseas is not 
in all in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So they still have that very macho finish the match. You got to get through it, power your way through an injury type of thing. Now, Kota Ibushi, of course, injured his shoulder badly during the G1 finals and they did stop the match. They have done it. There is a precedent for it. But the idea of getting your bell rung is still not taken maybe as seriously as it should. Sometimes in Japan, there's no. still a bit of a macho thing right there. I will say this match reminded me of Kota Ibushi versus Naito matches, the trilogy mm. of matches that they had. Mm. Uh, uh, same time, 2019-2020. There was that level of elevated risk in their movements and what they were doing with each other that I was like, this reminds me of Naito going going nuts in those matches with Ibushi and Ibushi just being game for it. So uh, I hope they're okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 we all do. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, it turned out okay. And yeah, I, yeah. He, there were some after effects that we're going to talk about in that uh, Okada match. But anyway, the victory was his. And uh, that led us to uh, an interesting thing uh, it, that we're going to get to in a little bit more b- uh, detail. But Osprey afterwards rebranding his own championship in the uh, post-match comments that you saw a little bit. He made the U.S. title into the U.K. title, and he said, well, this isn't how I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it in the middle of the ring. But uh, I don't feel a connection to the U.S. championship, and this is now the U.K. championship. Now, we're going to get into the finals with Naito and Okada. Will Ospreay wrestled on finals night in a tag. We're going to talk more about that U.K. title that you see on the screen right now. But that is where he said he was going to change it. He said he didn't feel a connection to the U.S. title. He wanted to make it into something that he did feel a connection to. So after the Naito match, Will Ospreay declaring himself the U.K. champion instead of the uh, They're eventually just going to turn it into the Intercontinental. I hope so. Eventually it's going to come back as the Intercontinental. Because you have to have have somebody from the U.K. win it, right? Like if they're going to play Leapfrog, it could essentially – the Rev Pro belt with a glow up. So, like, he has a belt. He's earned this belt. This belt has legacy at this point, and he's going to increase that legacy. But, like, how long does he carry this thing? Does he. That, those are questions to be had because it really seems like they are tying this belt to him for the long term. We have a couple of comments here that I wanted to get into. This match secured Osprey the uh, Wrestler of the Year award, according to Brad. No one else is coming close to him. You know, I think he has my vote too at this point. Uh, just the just the G one in general. Yeah, and the, the Omega matches. In addition to all this, uh, the whole who's campaign. Really doing, who's doing better right now? Yeah, it, it's hard to pick anybody that's better. I don't know if he's going to win it. If you want to, if you're calling it the observer awards uh, wrestler of the year, I, I doubt he's going to win it just because of the people that vote in that for the observer. It's, it's a, you know, it's, a, uh, it's, it's AEW magazine in some ways in that, in that sense. But I think Will has a more of a shot than usual. So what's but, really interesting with Will is that if you think about it, February, this is the first time he has been in a series, like an open field where he's not in some type of tournament, some type of like, he was in the New Japan Cup, and then he got injured, and then he came back, and then he was in the tournament for the U.S. title, and then he won the U.S. title. He had basically no matches to defend it, and then he went straight into the G1, and now we have this campaign where he can actually have singles matches against people and defend it in, in some type of continued legacy. 
without any tournament plans, pivots, anything that we have to get him back into this position. So I'm really excited for like this reset of Will Ospreay and see what matches that they have upcoming for him that could potentially just blow everyone away. Well, we know one that has the potential to do exactly that, and that is he's wrestling Shingo Takagi Mm -hmm. for uh, Rev Pro, I believe, the night before he goes to uh, the uh, before the big stadium show, right? It's, all it's in. before yeah. he goes, to, yeah, before he goes to all in. Uh, does he have a so, match for that? Well, it's I don't know if it's officially announced, but the rumors are at Wembley he's going to get stuck with Chris Jericho. So if anyone can drag anything out of what's left okay. of Jericho, it's someone Ospreay, had mentioned but... that that was actually like whatever match he was going to have was actually his dream match, like something that he wanted. So I'm really curious if that well, is. That, that's not Jericho then, but, uh, you right. know, but yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll see. If anyone can get anything out of what's left of Chris Jericho, maybe Osprey can. So Yeah, so I, I trust that Osprey is so good at this point that there is no issue with him just killing it. But either way, that match with Shingo Takagi for Rev Pro is almost certainly going to be brilliant. So 100%. Now we move on to finals night. Now, like I said, a bit bigger crowd and the way they did the bigger crowd was interesting for finals night. Uh, Sumo hall has those uh, boxes on the floor where you, you sit on the floor at Sumo hall. You sit on cushions on the floor. Well, they don't give you cushions anymore because at new Japan, they started throwing them in celebration of a great match. And they took them away from them. You're not allowed to do that anymore, but uh, you do, you sit on the floor. They aren't, if you notice the lower arena, it's not true in the upper arena. I've sat in the upper arena up there. There's regular chairs down below. You sit in these little boxes, cross-legged on the floor, you know, crisscross applesauce type of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they allowed two people per box for the semifinals, allowed four people per box for the finals. So we got a few, a couple thousand more people in there for that. And uh, they were allowed. And this was a very fun crowd from the very beginning. We're going to take this card back to front and talk about the biggest match first. Kazushi Okada and Tetsuya Naito. And of course, it's the G1. You got to bring out Masahiro Chono. And they did. He was on commentary with the uh, usual guys, uh, Milano Collection AT, Hiroshi Tanahashi was a guest, the regular play by play guy. And uh, Colin says, when Chono came out, I thought, oh no, Okada's winning his third G1 in a row. The reason being, of course, no one's ever done it. And Chono holds the record for the most G1s with five. Okada had a chance to tie that record. Chono's almost, the good news is, kind of, you can rest assured, he's almost <laughs> always there for the G1 finals. Chono almost always comes back for that. So it doesn't necessarily mean someone's there to break his record. Chono is uh, almost always there for the finals. He's associated so heavily with the tournament. So Okada and Naito. I mentioned the kick in the head. And I was worried about how Naito was going to do here because they also mentioned during the buildup, Chris Charlton and Kevin Kelly, that neither one of the guys did interviews before the match, Naito or Okada. And I just thought, oh, God, is, is Naito okay? Is he okay? Is he all right? And I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, yeah. And oh, and like hype and mystique. I didn't really think about that. It felt like hype and mystique to me. When they're like, okay, we're not going to hear from these guys. Yes. The next time you see them, it's going to be when it's go time. And it just, it made me feel like, ooh, okay. I didn't expect them to, they never do anything like that anyway. They never hear from them before the show. No. They really now, wanted to lay that thick. I want to mention this comment too from Colin because he's correct. They also throw cushions after a Yungo sumo wrestler beats a Yokozuna, by the way. Yes, they did not take the cushions away from the sumo crowd. They know how to handle it. 
the, the, the pro wrestling people scared him a little bit. There was a bit of an issue. There was a bit of an issue. And the, back then, the more rabid New Japan fans kind of frightened the, the crowd a little bit. But he's right. And actually, when I went to sumo there, someone did beat Yokozuna, and I was ready to see all the cushions being thrown. But apparently, it wasn't enough of an upset to warrant the cushions. So I didn't get to see the cushions. Uh, but anyway, pardon me. Uh, but that is a fair point. I wanted to make sure that's clear that, that the sumo people still get cushions. They can sit there. A lot of old people they can't sit on the floor it's not okay uh but uh yeah you would see some people uh, jeremy i'm serious this some of the sumo crowd like the rich mm -hmm. sumo crowd that sit close to the ring i think they were there for the very first sumo match that's it, it's an older demographic there uh oh, naito <laughs> and anyway we had naito he, he i mentioned the kick in the head there were still some effects today i thought but he was gutting through it the first 10 minutes of the match were almost all kazusha okada and it was a lot of Naito selling to the point of Okada going for a one-foot cover at the 10-minute mark. The imposing love, of his will. I love this because two things. It was clear that the crowd was all about Naito. And there were certainly people that were holding up the uh, chaos uh, scarves, some Okada, mm -hmm. those money towels that they sell. Definitely had some fans. But it was, an, it was a mostly Naito crowd. By doing that little arrogant one foot a cover, very loud crowd, a very loud crowd too. But it made Okada into a subtle heel for the match, like the classic channel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I was because he didn't cheat. He didn't do you know he didn't do anything particularly nasty or underhanded to Naito. He just projected that. Yeah, go ahead and root for this guy. You know, like, go ahead and root for that guy. It was a, it was a way of almost giving the he was crowd arrogant. Permission. Yeah, to, to root for Naito was very smart. Ten-minute mark there. So he kind of acknowledged that he was not the crowd favorite. I um, argue, I argue that because Okada knows Naito so well and has, and whether he wants to admit it or not, has a deep respect for Naito, the way that he treated him should be taken way more as a slap in the face and a full-out I am the heel in this match rather than subtle or anything i thought it was a direct like explanation of, like boo me cheer him yeah at least at, at the very least giving him permission to do so yeah that's yes. the way i thought of it so naito a couple of times was a little shaky a little unsteady at uh, on on his feet at times but he gutted through this match he worked the neck of okada again the same way he did with osprey with hip tosses where he dropped the guy on his knee didn't just take the flat back bump on the hip toss put his knee down there there were neck breakers the reason I got concerned about Naito is one time he did that neck breaker and missed. Like he had Okada and brought Okada down, and Okada missed his knee. Like he he didn't bring Okada down onto his knee. I was like, oh my goodness, is he okay? Is he seeing double out there? It was very nervous. I was nervy during this one. Uh, they played it like Naito was out after the twenty minute mark when Okada hit a German suplex and the classic Okada drop kick. He just didn't move for a while. And we got Zombie Naito, where he uh, beat the knockout count, uh, but then he would take a forearm, and all he could do is spit at Okada. He couldn't even hit him back. Uh, and we got Naito as the zombie thing there, but they began to working up to big moves, and Naito rallied. He got Esperanza, Valencia. He hit the satellite DDT, a hurricane run off the top. Uh Okada was getting some things in the meantime here, but this is mostly uh, Naito's rally. Uh, there was a long submission spot where he had Okada all tied up. He missed his corkscrew dive, though, and that was kind of a key moment there. And at the 30-minute mark, the crowd was 
just rabid and they're just screaming Molten. for everything they did. Landslide and a Rainmaker attempt, but Naito managed to escape it. There was an incredible, wonderful series of counters where they got the first Destino for a two count. A second Destino attempt ended up in a Cobra Flosion, which is a terrific looking move that Okada has been using as a setup. His Rainmaker attempt, though, ended up in a Destino. You know, he whipped him in, but Naito managed to flip over his arm and drop him into the Destino. And then a third one to get the pinfall victory. And that was about as loud a noise as you're going to get in Ryogoku Kakuji Khan for pro wrestling. A feel-good story. Tetsuya Naito wins his <laughs> third G1 championship. He will go to the Tokyo Dome. He gets the ribbon on the flag. And uh, Jeremy, let's start with your overall thoughts on the match itself. I thought this was Naito and Okada at their very best. I thought this was absolutely wonderful. I was living and dying with every move. They had it set up, I thought, so that any move could be the last one. I was on the edge of my seat. The point where it went into overdrive for me was the about 20-minute mark, and Naito was on the top of the on the top rope buckle, and he was kind of kneeling on it. And Okada did his drop kick from there and just sent Naito to the floor. And it was one of those that we got the uh, we got the classic one or two per match instant replay of it, and so you, they really wanted to tell you like, oh, this is this is devastating, and it and it just it got me like, okay, okay, I'm all in here, and it's like I wanted Naito to win. I felt like there was they had made Okada enough of a threat with his legacy and his chase of the back to back to back that like, you know, lol, Okada wins just like John Cena, so. I, when you think it's going to be Sonata at the Tokyo Dome, it makes way more sense that Naito uh, gets this, gets this look. And Stephen, I don't know, was this the, were these two matches the best Naito has looked on a main event match level in how long? Yeah, you know, he's he does this every once in a while. I remember him going, what was it, to the final with, with the match with Osprey last year in the semifinals where he had a couple of great matches in a row. Mm-hmm. He can pull out these weekends, you know, where, where he's yeah. as good as he ever was. And he's just so smart and his timing is so great. We mentioned the timing the other day that Naito just knows exactly when to do things. And that is as much of a part of wrestling as anything athletic just that knowledge of when to do it. And, he, and he's perfect with that. And this is another great example of it. And we did say, I I, I predicted that Osprey was going to win yeah. this tournament. But we I were all in on Osprey. If there was a reason Osprey didn't, it was because they knew that eventually, and we said this, that eventually they will have to do Naito and Sonata for all the marbles. And that's the direction they went in. I can't blame them for that. I, and Naito, the crowd response, clearly, was the uh, that he is still one of the very most popular guys in the entire company. He's going to headline the biggest show of the year. You, you can't argue with the logic on it. And I'm certainly, after watching these matches, not going to argue that he might be the best guy to get something out of a disappointing champion in Sonata. Uh, somebody that might understand the timing, might be able to bring something out of Sonata, who has won the title and sleptwalked through most of his reign. So uh, you, you, you need have to not impressed. I, uh, no, you, I can no, I can no longer up. just say, Hey, he's the, he's the guy. Give him a chance. He has had his chance and we will get to that at, at one point. There is a, uh, there's one more thing I want to ask you about this before. I think I'm, I think I'm good saying this was 
one of the best matches I've seen this year. And that is the campaign of Naito and this G1 going forward. Does it remind you in any way of the Hiroshi Tanahashi 2018 G1 run where he ended up facing Kenny Omega at yeah. the Tokyo Dome? Yeah. Yeah. A guy that you thought maybe, maybe his time has passed and maybe he's a guy that gets close, but puts other people over. And instead you see that one last flash the thing about Naito is he's so good at portraying that he's beat, but then comes back that mm -hmm. it, different than Tanahashi, like Naito's beat up. Don't get me wrong. He's his body is beat up, not as bad as Tanahashi's. And I think he might have a little more time than Tanahashi does. I think that win over Omega at the dome and that one that was the lifetime achievement award for Tanahashi. And I think that Naito has a little more left in the tank. Not a mm -hmm. ton more, but I think a little bit more right there. Yeah, I think that, that's probably that's probably right. I think Naito is a lot cannier with how he uh, managed his body management than yeah. I think Tanahashi is more like, I'm a hero and I will give my body to New Japan because New Japan has been good to me. And that mm -hmm. is the relationship that, that we have. That is like, meh. There, there are times where I can... Uh, I can show you, not tell you, <laughs> or, or or hurt myself for you. <laughs> let's, get some, let's get to some comments here because we have some good ones. Uh, Brad says that Chono is still the coolest dude in the room. Yeah, he is. And he, he's looking a little rough, but damn, he's still cool. Really is. And, you know, the thing is, when he was in his prime in the mid-90s, the, the original Three Musketeers, and he was feuding with uh, Muto and Shinya Hashimoto and things, it, it's – he was back then too. And, and he was, he and Tenzan were kind of in the same faction sometimes like they were in the same, they were an alliance and things. And, and Chono would just come out in this full length leather coat and the sunglasses. And he just looked like a badass. Like he was just like, I want to hang around with that guy. So he, he was terrific. Still has that kind of a cool cachet to him. Uh, and uh, he says the match was absolutely incredible. When they made the 20 minute call, it felt like nothing had happened yet. How did 20 minutes pass? The pacing was otherworldly. Uh, yeah, they're they both know very much what they're doing with that, and they know again that it's the timing, isn't it? It's it's the timing. Uh, Venk and Bjorn, uh, Okada's drop kicks are so good. Yeah, some of the best in the business. Some of the best in the business. Colin says he is begging Naito to beat Sonata at Wrestle Kingdom. Boy, you and me both, buddy. I I am. Huh, I think we still have a few more months of Sonata we have to deal with as champion before we can get the belt off of him. But I'm hoping that we finally get the roll call, isn't it? That's the point that they've been pushing the whole time because the last time Naito won the main event at Wrestle Kingdom, Kenta attacked him before he could do the full uh, LIJ roll call. I think the people, they have effectively built that up to now the people want to hear that. They want to hear all the names for LIJ and do the uh, Nosotros Los Ingobernables de Apon. Brad says, uh, Tanahashi's the ace, Okada is the goat. Uh, Osprey is the current best in the world. Naito will forever be the most popular. Hard to argue. I, I mean, think that's perfectly said. Yeah, I mean, we had our conversation. Who's the biggest baby face in New Japan right now? And... <laughs> I think it's Naito. Well, hey, just, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it just is. It just feels like he's it, so fascinating too, because of course we talked about it. he's won this tournament before twice, and the first time in 2012, the people weren't ready for him as the winner, and they voted for a different match for the main event. You know, they they didn't want Okada and Naito as the Wrestle Kingdom main event. Uh, which which seems crazy now, but he had to go away for a while. He had to reinvent himself. He had to be the heel for a while that everyone was annoyed with because he took for friggin' ever to get his clothes off in the ring and it, his entrance was endless. 
now they all love all of those things about it. <laughs> it's funny how that pendulum, the further that pendulum swings toward heel, it goes just as far toward babyface if it's done correctly. And and right now Naito is certainly the most popular guy. Still sells a lot of merch too, although you know a lot of a lot of people are selling merch from New Japan. He's doing a lot. And uh, Colin mentions here, I'd actually be happy if Sonata didn't make Wrestle Kingdom if he Sonata. lost the title beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I, I do. I'm not impressed with Sonata either. I think the story they're trying to tell is Naito overcoming the guy that ditched him, basically. And just like they did with Evil, he took he has to take it back. It's it's interesting because when Sonata left Lij, it was the other members who seemed to take it more personally than Naito did. I'm talking about in character. Hiromu was pissed and challenged him right away. Shingo was pissed. Naito really didn't say a whole lot about he it. He laid back. He waited. And the tranquilo, right? You know, part of the character and things. I think we're going to find out that Naito, in character, was a little more upset about it than he let on at the time. So, I've I've thought about this a bit, and I've thought about the long term. There was going to be no other window to put Sonata in position to give him a belt and put him into a higher tier of veteran Japanese wrestlers that are probably going to be around for a very long time. So mm. if you didn't do it now, he was perpetually going to be looked at as someone who was a lesser threat to a title run in the future because he'd never had it before. Now that he's established as someone at that level, even, even higher than evil, was and they use him as a cudgel sometimes to threaten like oh hey this guy could really get the belt right now uh that's what they've done with Sonata and I think for the greater good I don't consider him a transitional champion but I think this potentially nine month run was what was best for Japanese pro wrestling in the long term well we'll take a look and we'll see how that goes at the end I, I again I'm, I'm a little less sold on him I wasn't from the very beginning, I wasn't sure he was the right call, but we'll we'll go into some of that. Just a long term play is all I'm all I'm saying is that like if you look at it like that way, that if you <laughs> picked him to do this run and seeing his viability in the long term, he was a great choice, even if it leaves fans cold in the moment. All right, Colin says to put him in the KOPW match. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have we have a thought, we have some idea of where that's going to go, don't we? Because we have a whole card before this that was really exciting, a fun show. So let's go into that. We're going to go backwards. We're going to start at the top of the card, which we already did with the main event and the finals. But then we're going to talk about the next one, which was the Just Five Guys contingent for the Just Five Guys anyway. Taka had the night off after being on the night before, and uh, they faced the House of Torture crew, and. Again, you know, Sonata, world heavyweight champion, still sleepwalking through these matches. And House of Torture, I really hate that I'm going to say this. <laughs> God, I hate that I'm about to say what I'm about to say. Oh, man. It's hard, man. Just do it. Just rip the Band-Aid off. It's starting to work. It's like the, the heat is different than it was at the beginning because now that the stakes are high, I think that's the key. Now that the stakes are high, they're talking about G1 victories. They're talking about world heavyweight championship matches. 
all of a sudden the house of torture are getting instead of that oh this is annoying heat which they did get for a while i insist for a while the house of torture was getting that oh god we got to put up with this heat from the crowd instead it's turning into heel heat and i don't i just it breaks my heart but i understand i get it i guess but here they, here's what i'm gonna say I right. think a lot of credit goes to evil for reestablishing the faction as viable because the lack of Ujuro and the lack of show until today, and then show showed up and had some, let's say, potency against someone else on the roster. It will it it felt fresh again because they had been gone for so long. Mm. And then you know we have in this match there was a ref bump. There were a lot of weapons uh, and. We won't go into all that kind of stuff, but in the end, Show managed to hit the shock arrow on Taichi and pin Taichi. So that sets up Show as the obvious king of pro wrestling challenger. And of course, there are other people that beat Taichi during the G1 that they could also do. But this was clear that this was meant as a shot across the bow that he wants to face him for the king of pro wrestling title. And then Evil beat up Sonata post match, handcuffed him to the ropes. Uh, Sonata's hanging, hanging from the ropes with both of his wrists up, looking like he might have been reading a book. I right? just not selling it. I, like, dude, if you don't want to, he be has no ability though. to furrow his brow. And I don't know why. <laughs> he's just the, so dull, and I, like, he's so good athletically, and he's such a good-looking guy. But there is a black hole of charisma that gets sucked into him. And it just vanishes from the, the from this realm into another dimension. That's it's like there's less charisma in the room when he's in it. Uh, he's just not a championship level guy. He I, the people say that he is he overrated? Is he underrated? I think he was rated. He was an upper mid card guy that could have good matches. He was rated correctly. He's not a world championship guy. But I think we're stuck with him for a few moments. House of Torture and Evil hit their peak last night in the semifinal show. This to me is like, I get why this is second from the top, but I do not care about this because it feels like a few to get through. We do need to get Sonata and Evil for the title, given everything that they've had go on in their past. Great. If they actually belt Evil after all this, I will mm-hmm. laugh uproariously because that is insane, given how steadfast they've been with Sonata up to this point. But... We've said it every month on the show. All bets are off this year with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Ghetto is willing to go fast and loose with some of these decisions of like who we're going to go with and how fast we're going to pull the trigger and the momentum and slow it down. Like you could see what he was doing in the in the long run of these younger the Rewa Three Musketeers and their plan. So. I don't think Evil is going to get the title. I think this is just a feud to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's somebody that Sonata can beat to make him look as strong as possible. Yeah. You know, I think it, to make him look strong going into the Tokyo. Dome. But I do, I do like want to say there has been a sense of booking is intentional, but the booking feels like all bets are off at some point. So the House of Torture, according to Colin, dealt with Sonata, and I was delighted. And so he was happy to see the beatdown. And then uh, Venkin Bjorn mentions, anytime any podcast talk about House of Torture, it's not good. Okay. We're moving on. (laughs) Well, no, I want to explain a little bit why. The issue for me is that none of these things are done well. I don't think the ref bumps look good. I don't think they're set up in a way that look organic. And... I'll tell you, as strange as it sounds, you know who's done some pretty good 
real well not realistic but at least logical looking and ref bumps wwe when they've done a few of them with with roman reigns and the usos where the referee is in a spot where it doesn't look like he's trying to get in the way uh and some of this stuff where they do things right in front of the referee all show long and then with house of torture it's done differently it just the ref bumps and the interference is not something New Japan does well. So there are other people that do it so much better that when it's you see it, you kind of roll your eyes and go, oh, man. It's it's so one of the reasons I think that House of Torture irritates me is just because it's not New Japan at its best when a lot of the people involved in this, this is, this is the best use of Yujiro. <laughs> but Sho and Taichi and... Uh, you know, Sonata and, you know, even Watanabe, evil, are capable of better than this. I guess that's my point. So is Dick Togo, for that matter, who's not a bad wrestler at all. And uh, Brad mentions it was a big surprise for him because he thought Dick Togo was taking the pin. I think just about everybody did when that match started. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, would... I like that show has something, uh, has a feud. I just like that. that well, he's been just floating around for a long time. Coasting. Yeah, coasting. he hasn't really done anything since the Yo feud. Yeah, I mean, he was just a guy in the best of the Super Juniors the last couple of years. Just the match before this also had a little bit of uh, angle to it. Uh, L.I.J., Shingo Takagi, Yoda Suji, Hiromu Takahashi, and Bushi facing Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, The Great Okan, and Henare from the United Empire. So this match was great. This was a really good eight-man. And uh, everyone on fire. Everybody got a little bit of shine in this one. It's centered on teasing us with an Osprey Suji match, which was the match I didn't know I needed until today. Now I know I need it because they were terrific together in the sequences they had mm -hmm. in this match. And it all built to Suji and Will isolated in the ring, everybody else brawling around the outside. And uh, Suji ended up absolutely trucking Will Osprey <laughs> with a spear to win too, really. And he pinned Will Ospreay. You could hear he a is, pin drop after that happened. And, and but I mean, it got a big pop from the crowd yeah, once after, they realized. And there was happened. a moment. There was a moment. They're like, "What?" And then Whoa. everybody exploded. Like they they didn't believe what they just saw happened. And uh, it's not a first singles win, but that is the biggest pin of Yoda Suji's career. Oh, by far, yeah. And and it was a thing where now we know who's going to be challenging. Uh, him for that uk title now it's a uk title and of course yoda suji part of his excursion was in rev pro so he has a if they did that match back in rev pro it'd be pretty big I don't think you know on are. a show over there yeah. i don't think that they are they were having no i don't either but today. i mean they could I mean, yeah. they had a press conference today where it's going to be in the uk so i presume maybe another royal quest something mm. like that and that uh, Yoda versus Will Ospreay would be the main event of one of those shows. Well, anyway, we also had another thing. It, wherever it happens, I'm looking forward to the match because I think it's going to be dynamite. But what we saw That's all rampant speculation, here. by the way. <laughs> yeah. It, it's an interesting thing because the the UK title thing, and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, Vankin just mentions, I can't believe it's the UK title now. It, it, I agree with you, Jeremy. They should. They never should have gotten rid of the Intercontinental title. The, the logic of that never made sense. And the U.S. title thing didn't really work. Because one thing, one, the strong title is defended in the U.S. more than the U.S. title was. If the U.S. title would go on somebody and then vanish, like with Kenny Omega because 
of the schedule. And Tony Khan rightfully didn't want to give up one of his biggest stars to go to Japan a lot. And you know, we it never really worked that there was a U.S. title there. They were going to defend it when they went to the U.S. Well, that's kind of what the strong title is for now. They're making the U.K. title fine. Every once in a while, they're going to go back there. I, I think they should just make it intercontinental. And, and then you don't have to worry about where. The geography doesn't matter so much. It feels I, like I think it's always time. That's the eventual solution for all this. It's just how stubborn are they going to be before they get to it. Um, but that that title is is it the second or third from the top in the in the company? I think never open weight these days gets a little bit more. I mean, Osprey is a better wrestler than Finlay, absolutely. But as far as how the importance of the title being portrayed, I think never open weight is probably second now. Okay. Don't you think? I mean, uh, that, I mean, it was no, that was no. it's it defended more, but the yeah. matches have more prestige with yeah. uh, US versus UK, US UK title. And you so know what? Just when I, when I just said that out loud, I just thought, did I really just say David Finlay's belt? Did and I was Oscar, like, you know? wow, that is a that is a take. <laughs> well, except except that it's just portrayed like at Dominion, it was portrayed as basically the second most important. But a part of that was to build Finlay as the new leader. So I, I guess it's either. It depends on the it depends on the show, I guess. I, don't I could see Finlay challenging for that title after he drops the never open weight title. Hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of different ways that could go, but it, it turns out Finlay has his own issues to deal with here. Hmm. But there was one other uh, at, at the show on Saturday during the semifinals. Uh, Eddie Kingston's in the ring after his match. Mind in his own business. When Hanare attacks him from behind and uh, decides that he wants to be a challenger for that strong title that Eddie Kingston won recently from Kenta. So on this show, Hanare is out there after Will Ospreay takes his pinfall and he is uh, beaten up by Eddie Kingston and dragged to the back, not to be seen the rest of the night. So uh, that that's the direction that is headed. So we're going to see Eddie Kingston and Hanare for that uh, strong belt eventually. So. That was the match right there. And we have some comments about this. I'm going to knock them out here real quick. Uh, Brad says he enjoyed this one a lot. Uh, this might have been the bigger surprise. Bushi not taking the pin over Osprey blew me away in the best way for the best reason. Yeah, you, usually Bushi would be the one that would take the fall in this one when you look at the lineup. Of course, they had ideas uh, on shows like this. you got to set up the entire fall, really. Uh, so there were a lot to do. Uh, Vankin says, was Osprey Omega not just before the main event last Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, it was. Uh, like I said, it, it depends on the show. Finlay hadn't really fully turned then, so it might have been more at Dominion, it might have been more about getting Finlay over than the Never I never said that. That's all Conway. I don't yeah. agree with <laughs> And like I said, as, as soon as it was out of my mouth, I said, did I really just say David Finlay was higher up on the card than Will was? So I... The ne- but I do think that right now, the way it's positioned, the never open weight title is considered. You a pretty should good you should issue. definitely consider the never open weight title as a very viable reign right now. What is working with Finley and that the War Dog is working for me, and I think it's working for a lot of people. And coming out of the G one, uh, there his stock went up in my opinion. And Brad says, I'm so stoked for Eddie versus Hanare. I think it's going to be good, too. I think it's going to be good. I, I, I do wonder where they do that on AEW TV at All In or All Out. One of the destruction shows could do that. Could also just be at one of the NJPW Strong shows. Uh, there, there's a lot of options for that one because those strong tapings where they do you know a month's worth of TV at a time, those need a big main event. And uh, so I think we might we might see it there. But 
it's a it's a match that absolutely doesn't feel crazy for the strong show and ra versus uh i I would like an ra to rest up a little bit i don't know just just get checked out (laughs) you're still worried about him being dumped on his head oh my god (laughs) that dude was on a mission to prove he was tough yeah so the good news about that match though brad i think is that with Eddie standing within AEW and New Japan, with Hanare standing within New Japan and the strong program, you have a lot of options. You can do that match just about anywhere and it, it wouldn't look out of place and be and uh, be entertaining. And I'm sure that Eddie would be more than happy to hop on a plane back to Japan. <laughs> I think he's having the time of his life. So, yeah, uh, good stuff. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, we had uh, Bullet Club. And that would be, uh, well, the former Bullet Club team, Tama Tonga, Tongaloa, Hikaleo, El Fantasmo, and Jado. So those are all ex-Bullet Club folks against the current ones, which are the War Dog Group, David Finlay, Gabe Kidd, uh, Alex Coughlin, Chase Owens, and Kenta. And this one went 11 minutes and three seconds. It was pretty good. It was fine. Uh, in the end, Tongaloa ended up beating Chase with a roll-up. The most important part of this is that the bullet club for the second night in a row attacked after the match, but this time they were turned away and it was very clear toward the end because he was holding up the belts at the end because they had uh, won the fight with bullet club. Tomatongo wants another shot at that never open way title with Finlay. He wants revenge for what happened to him at dominion. And then you saw the group of Hikaleo and El Fantasmo. Taking taking Tongaloa uh, out of the equation for the moment, and uh, they seem to want to challenge for those strong tag team titles. And judging from the reaction of my partner here, Jeremy, you're all in on this. You're fine with this. Ten seconds before it happened, I'm like, "Ooh, do Hikaleo and ELP versus uh, Coughlin and Kid? That would be cool." And then it happened. Ten seconds later, like, "Yes," and I didn't know I wanted it until that moment. And so I don't know what it was about what Hikuleo has done in this tournament, but putting in him at putting him in a tag team with a capable wrestler who is not his brother is about the most exciting like idea that they could use with Hikuleo. I don't know if they're gonna win it. I think it's probably a one and done tag, but I definitely love the idea of those two in the world tag league together. Hmm. Well, we'll see how that turns out. That's interesting. Also, I do believe, by the way, that some combination of the uh, the Tongans uh, and uh, ELP, basically any combination of them, really going after the trios titles eventually, I think would be entertaining right there. That's that that's... was that was my idea was that the Tongans might be the ones to take the titles off the never the never six man titles. But uh, when some of them did not win their matches against uh, the champions, I was like, mm, right. maybe that's not the direction. Up next, we had something that was a bit of a farewell and a bit of a, something that's leading to things further on. TMDK, the Mighty Don't Kneel, Zack Sabre Jr., Mike Nichols, Shane Haste, and Kosei Fujita facing the uh, combination of Hantai Chaos group of Goto and Yoshihashi, Ryusuke Taguchi, and in this case, Bolton Oleg uh, in there with them. Uh, and that this was very, very interesting. <laughs> And it was uh, Fujita's farewell before he goes off on excursion to Australia and the UK. He'll be teaming with uh, Robbie Eagles as part of TMDK there in Australia. 
and uh, doing other things, of course, uh, over the course of uh, probably a year or two before he returns to Japan full time. Uh, the first of his generation to go on excursion, uh, Ryohei Oiwa may be headed to uh, NOAA, which we'll get to a little bit later. But first of his excursion to go, uh, first to go off on excursion of that generation, and we found out another thing that Bolton Oleg. And again, he's he's Oleg. His first name is Oleg. His last name's Bolton, but he uh, pronounces his. He has his name introduced in a Japanese style, where you do the last name first, like you hear Okada Kazuchika from the main ring announcer, the primary. Depending ring on where you're looking, it'll be spelled yeah. different. It'll be it'll be the other way around. Yeah, if you if you look on the uh, amateur wrestling rankings, he's Oleg Bolton, but he's he's Bolton Oleg in in New Japan, so we're gonna call him that. But uh, yeah, so Bolton. Turns out he is the first young lion to run the table in a gauntlet match on the uh, in the dark match. So he defeated Oiwa, he defeated Nakashima, and uh, he ended up winning what was what did they say it was two hundred thousand yen worth of yakaniku meat. So that's like seventeen hundred dollars. <laughs> and if you've ever had you yakaniku, think that, do you think that's legit or is that just like I hope for his sake it is because yakaniku is so good. <laughs> It's so delicious. Uh, but uh, he apparently won all that's about $1,700 worth of meat. That's a lot of meat. <laughs> a lot of meat. And, uh, but maybe more importantly, perhaps, he has won uh, a shot at the television title held by Zack Sabre Jr. That's an intriguing challenge for both of them, <laughs> for, for, for Bolton to have a match with Zach and for Zach to, to do something with Bolton, uh, you know, in that 10 minute uh, thing there, Bolton, very green, but learning quickly and, and doing fairly well. So we'll see. We saw a little bit of a preview there. He worked with Zach a lot and uh, we saw similar to what we saw with Jeff Cobb, where Zach basically used him as a jungle gym, climbing around him and trying to, to uh, put him into uh, different submissions. And uh, other than that, what we also saw, was TMDK uh, hitting the uh, tank buster on Yoshihashi and pinning him, thus set up, setting up Shane Haste and Mikey Nichols as the next challengers for Bishamon for the uh, NJPW heavyweight tag team titles. I'm not going to complain about that. Nichols and Haste, one of the better tag teams out there. Bishamon's been great. Uh, Zach and uh, Bolton will be interesting. And we uh, unfortunately have to say farewell for now to the Ishiban Sweet Boy, uh, Kosei Fujita, off on an excursion. What did you think about this? This this was a an eight-man match that set up a lot of things. The many, many irons in the fire, and I had no complaints about anything. Too bad for Ryusuke Taguchi. He has no dance partner after all is said and done. He is just back doing whatever he's going to be doing. Thank you for your service in this match. Uh, I do still think that they have plans to put Bolton Oleg as the heavy in some type of growing faction and you cannot steer me from this you can aim a gun in the direction and point a bullet where this guy could be going at some point it's very subtle uh yeah no i, I understand what you're saying right here and uh brad mentioned that hikaleo's g1 started rough but the last few shows he really picked it up i like what he was doing a lot the fans love him too and he took over the folly role and that's better yeah I think they do see him as kind of a babyface, bad luck, Follet type, as somebody that can beat anybody and uh, be credible. I, I agree with you. And Brad also asked, was Nakashima the lion that had that bad elbow injury? Yes, injury. Yes, exactly right. Uh, there was a match. I, I think it was with Oiwa, a singles match at Korokan Hall, and it was Nakashima's debut. And unfortunately, like one minute into the match, he they were basically doing amateur wrestling on the mat to begin the match 
and it dislocated his elbow. And that put him behind Oiwa and Fujita a little bit, not because of talent, but because he had to sit out several months with that injury. So, yes, Nakashima probably going on excursion last out of that group just because uh, he is a little bit behind uh, there. He had to sit out quite a while recovering from that dislocated elbow. So uh, we have a clue that we're going to talk about in a little bit about Oiwa's excursion. Uh, they haven't announced it yet, but we have an idea of it. And then uh, Nakashima is sticking around a little while, probably not quite ripe uh, for that turn yet, although he's bulking up like crazy. You notice he's a lot bigger than he was. Getting to be a little beefy. Getting beefy. Next up, we had this one, which was the uh, Eddie Kingston fun match. <laughs> what did I call this one? <laughs> he teams up with Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tomohiro Ishii, his favorite. Him hugging Ishii after the match on Saturday was one of my favorite moments. Just walked over and gave the guy a big hug, Sublime. knowing that it would irritate the shit out of him. And uh, teams with Yo to face Makabe, Tenzan, Kojima, and Tiger Mask. Nine minutes and 37 seconds. This was Eddie meeting his le uh, more legends. Uh, he did the chop exchange with Kojima. Uh, Yo ended up beating Tiger Mask to win it. This was mostly Eddie having fun on his last night of the tour. I was so happy for Eddie. If you want to just watch a guy living his best life in a match that means absolutely nothing, this is the match for you. Uh, that's basically like, it's just, it's fun to watch Eddie have the time of his life. And there's no other way to sell this match. It's not particularly good. It's not particularly memorable. If you watch Eddie come out and take a look at the audience, that is probably <laughs> the biggest takeaway that you're going to have from this match is that he is just like, I'm going to soak in every moment of this and I am not going to let anyone take that away from me. And that, that was the entire vibe of the match. And uh, Brad mentions here, TMDK is taking over the big-time foreign tag team from the Departed Aussie Open. Not a bad replacement. Yeah, absolutely right. And then, they, of course, they did the match where they put over Aussie Open and basically said, you guys are the future. And then Aussie Open left for AEW. <laughs> so uh, not the future Ooh. yet. The TMDK is still the present. Uh, Plans change, pal. <laughs> Plans change. So TMDK ready to step in there. They're really good. Speaking guys. of strong style. Speaking of strong style. We have this one, Yuji Nagata, Tomoaki Honma. Shota Umino and Master Wado against Suzuki, El Desperado, Ren Narita, and Yuto Nakashima. A lot of subtext in this one, Jeremy. Uh, what we had here was there's still some friction between Suzuki and Narita, where Suzuki is saying Narita's a little soft, wasn't impressed with his G1 performance. I feel like this is more Suzuki rallying him than about to turn on him. I don't sense no, that. This is, this, is, this, is coach, this is coach shit. So uh, he's been mentioning it a lot in the uh, post-match interviews where this has been going on. And you can see it here when, uh, when uh, Umino and Narita were going at it. You know, he's telling Narita to fire up. But let's start with this. This match began with a pull-apart brawl between Umino and, and Narita. And what I loved about this match, Jeremy, is they side-by-side -side put Narita and Umino as two guys who can't stop punching each other in the damn face they just get they are opposites they just annoy one another they irritate one another and they can't stop fighting and it is the perfect way to do this because on their teams are yuji nagata and minoru suzuki who have the same relationship 20 years <laughs> on in their careers and you would see there suzuki would be wrestling and naka and and uh, nagata is just standing on the apron 
minding his own business. Desperado Suzuki, just had a death match a couple days ago. Yeah, here. and <laughs> Suzuki would just slug Nagata in the face because he could, and because he just likes slugging Nagata in the face, and and vice versa is true. So they kind of painted this as the uh, new generation of Suzuki and Nagata, and I was there for it. I really enjoyed it, and. Uh, the, it, it was presented as the modern day version of it. Nagata and Suzuki played right into it. They acted like Shota and Ren the whole match. They just kept going after each other, whether they were the legal person or not. And you also saw Desperado and Wado face off an awful lot. So uh, maybe a trios feud going here with these two teams? It could be. Uh, I really liked in the opening when Wado got in the way of Nagata's uh, jump to the top rope to do a thing and Nagata like yells at him to move out of the way. You just see Wado go, oh shit. Oh, I gotta get out of the way. Uh, Sorry, boss. This match, Sorry, boss. This match was punctuated by a hot start and a very hot finish. So mm-hmm. you had the pull apart brawl between Ren and Shogun. They just went at each other with a ferocity that I'm like, where was this in the G1 from both of these people? And that's a story we'll get back to. Oh, I don't know. Right. Uh, not that level of intensity. The way that they went at each other in that match was like, that was fiercer than any of their like any of their real conflicts that they had. It felt real, and it just—I don't know. There was an intensity there that I think was deliberate that they felt that they pulled back on in the G1 to tell a greater story. With that said, I thought the ending where uh, Shota and Ren were at their opposite uh, corners for the tag, and you had Hanma and you had Nakashima trying to make the tag and Hanma made his tag to Shota. Shota immediately beelined for Ren to knock him off the the top and hit him into the, the ringside uh, metal barricade and then he immediately kills Nakashima with a death rider and gets a pin just staring a hole through Ren Narita the whole time and I was just like this is fantastic. I love this so much. If you if you are interested in what the three musketeers are doing after after the G1, I promise you their directions are hot. I am interested in seeing these two face off in a singles match, of course. I'm also interested in the trios match that they teased here. If you take Hanma and Nakashima out of the equation, I'd watch that. I would watch Nagata and Suzuki again by Cracky, although, like they mentioned, there are pages and pages of their matches on NJPW World when they were younger men. And uh, they're terrific. They're terrific. Yeah. You know, But th- this was so much fun. And uh, a couple of comments here that uh, are worth mentioning here. Uh, Vekman. Bank and Bjorn, uh, Desperado and Suzuki together in a team. Yeah, I, you know, they're strong style. (laughs) He's speaking of strong style. And uh, Reader says, uh, Shooter's a star. Absolutely. The Reader's shown fire the last two days. They're going to feud for 20 plus years, Star Delight. I'm I'm proud to say that when I saw the G1 show in Dallas, you know, my girlfriend just kind of watches big shows. She watched this one, but she doesn't follow it show by show by show by show. And she catches some of the highlights and things. And when Shota came out as a young lion, at that show, uh, like on the opening match, I just said, I honestly believe that someday that guy's going to headline the Tokyo Dome. And I, I still absolutely believe it. And I think Ren Narita is going to be a big star for a long time. And it, just the futures are so bright with these guys. And then Suji. And I'll tell you what, uh, Yumeyura might be as good as any of them. And he's not even back from excursion yet. But Over it, an impact, hamming oh, it up with... Uh... He's, 
yes. uh, whatever the um, digital media champion. I saw some clip of him just coming out the door with a thumbs up. I'm just like, oh no, okay. Showing, showing <laughs> some personality though. Showing some personality. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, and Bjorn Bjorn saying uh I was just thinking Desperado had a death match recently. He yeah, did. He had one a couple like a week ago. They like had that, that uh, Freedom's pay-per-view a few nights ago. And, oh, uh, yeah. Kasai, that's right. Yeah. Te- teamed up with June Kasai against uh, a man and a woman right there and apparently uh, they all cut each other to ribbons properly as you do in those death matches. So good for them. <laughs> we didn't see that one, but we didn't see the Freedom pay-per-view. We had uh, we, we we were focused on the G1. Opening match, Jeremy, still interesting. You got the graphic for that one, or are we? There we go. There we got it. Toru Yano and Oscar Loibe against Kato Kiyomiya and Ryohei Oiwa. Now, uh, this is Kiyomiya's farewell for now. Uh, he's headed back to Noah, uh, but he seems to have bonded a little bit with his tag team partner over the last few days. Uh, that is Ryohei Oiwa, and uh, he ended up pinning Oscar Loibe and getting the win and his music played on the final night, as he should. That's the way it ought to end up. And uh, we found out a couple things. One, that uh, he is interested in perhaps bringing Oiwa over to Noah, and that might be where Oiwa has some of his excursion uh, with pro wrestling mm-hmm. Noah. And we also found out that Oscar Loibe, I was happy to hear, is going to be going home to Germany for the first time in over almost a year and a half. Uh, He's earned he got it. home in Japan, taking a little bit of a break. And yeah, he has. He's improved a great deal. Uh, not leaving the company by any means, but uh, actually going to see his family a little bit, for the love of God. Uh, happy for him. So, uh, you know, in the end, I thought the Kiyomiya did pretty well. I, I like his work. I enjoy watching him. I hope to see him more in uh, New Japan. But I don't think the story is over with him. I, it can't I think be. He will be back. It can't be. This is and, such a fart if this is all that it was. I think, I think. It is, in fact, a long-term story. There is no instant gratification. He is climbing up and becoming a better wrestler in Japan by going through the trial and error, the trials of being in New Japan Pro Wrestling after conquering Noah. This is going to take a while. And now that I've made peace with it, I am fine just watching this take the pace that it should take rather than forcing it to happen the way that People are like, oh, it has to happen right now, or it's going to happen in this match, or it's going to happen this match. Uh, I don't know what the story is, but I know that I'm into the story. And uh, Venkin, Venkin Bjorn mentions lots of blood, and it looked like a war happened in that uh, June Kasai match. Yeah, that's the way those things do tend to go. They tend to uh, they tend to bleed a lot in those. And I, I guess you know, I, uh, Desperado's having fun with that. He enjoys doing some of that. And uh, okay. I mean, as, as long as he stays healthy and can still do great wrestling matches, strong style in new Japan, uh, let the man have some fun here. And uh, war hero 99 says, uh, Suzuki will challenge reigns. <laughs> that would be it could happen. <laughs> he's, a, he's a free agent. He's a free agent. He could go anywhere. <laughs> um, Stephen Conway. I got one very direct question for you when all is said and done. Let's hear it. Did you like this G1? Mostly, yes. I, I think it's a, a, a mild thumbs up for me on this one. Again, I do think that there were some people here, maybe more than we needed, and I do think it watered down some of the matches there. I think there have been G1s in the past where I really salivated over every single match. I don't think that happened this year. I think the great matches were a little bit fewer. Uh, there were fewer, and they were a little more spread out than I'm used to in a G1. But uh, I did end up enjoying it, and especially these two nights here at 
uh, Ryo Goku Kakujikan, I thought were very, very strong shows. And I did have a lot of fun watching wrestling this weekend. So mild thumbs up for me, not a full thumbs up like some of the others. I made my peace with the fact that I knew it was a rebuild G1 and that we weren't to expect. Personally, I felt like I wasn't, I kind of knew what the goals and objectives of what this G1 were besides uh, Naito winning at all, which I didn't see, didn't see, but I did feel that Naito and Sonata was an eventual direction of the Tokyo Dome. So there was a lot of fat in a few of the brackets because there was, I believe, at least one bracket that needed to be that size that it was in order to tell the story. And I think that was the A bracket with the with Suji and uh, Shota and Ren, and then having Kumia in there as well. It it all played it all played a it was important to have that. And if you couldn't have that, you needed you needed to find a way to find an alternative. They didn't find an alternative, so you had these other brackets that were just a little mid-card heavy is the best way to put it. And so you could tell in the D bracket and the B bracket who was going where. And there was just like, okay, like if if you're at even if you're even paying half attention, you could pretty much park this. So the drama of that kind of felt absent. But knowing all that, I thought it was a solid B, you could argue like a B plus of a G1. It wasn't the greatest one that we've seen in the last couple of years. It doesn't compete with a lot of them, but there was a lot more positive than I felt negative in this thing. There were not really a whole lot of out and out stinkers that I would be like embarrassed to say other than, you know, uh, Tangolo and Okada. Uh, Brad, uh, well, if you want to talk about stickers, how about some of Kenta's work in this one? But uh, Brad said each show had a few matches I really like, so that's a win for me. He also says he's a big fan of Oiwa. He has the look of an '80s martial arts star. I think it's the uh, the mullet. Might be the mullet that's could helping be. Me out with that. Uh, but I do like him too. I think he's a talented dude. So uh, Noah might be a good spot for him. You know, it, my, I think. Sometimes getting a different style of wrestling, and I guess Noah has a different style than New Japan, you know. But I mean, like Lucha Libre, working more American style, can be beneficial. But uh, you know, there might be a good spot for him right there. And uh, Colin mentions I, I, I saw earlier uh, Umino versus Narita as the mm -hmm. feud for the next twenty years. Yeah, uh, I, I think that all signs are good toward that. Those two seem to have real strong chemistry together. So, uh, do we want to? So, we can. We can go over the future. Do you want to go over some of your favorite matches? What do you think? Look, I made an unscientific top 10 G1 matches that people can agree oh. or disagree with. Yeah. And I'll throw them your way. I'll throw yeah. them your way. And then after that, we'll talk about the potential feuds that we have coming up. And then we'll, we'll wrap this thing up because, you know, we're not going to take up all your Sunday. Yeah, so, let's do that. Here what we go. I have Okada versus Zack Sabre Jr. on August 10th. Mm, yeah. that is, that's, in, that's in the ten. I got yeah. Ishii versus Kingston on July 26th. Yeah, that was a terrific bruisers match right there between two guys who just know how to work a brawl. It it was a it was the beginning of the pair of the shift in the tournament. They're like they're a pivot point where things just kind of take a turn. And the, those two nights, the 26th and the 27th, were definitely that in okay. the tournament. Uh Renderino versus Kaido Kiyomiya on August 5th. Let me ask you this. Is yeah. Ren Narita versus Shoto Amino's 20-minute draw on there? No. Okay. That's the only one I would add. I would okay. I would put that one in my top 10. I really okay. I thought I thought they had chemistry in that one. 
it's fair to say that this show today, it was a little bit stronger right there, but mm -hmm. there were hints in that 20 minute draw that these two were going to have some good brawls. I really oh, I, got a I, kick I, out of that one. It feels like why we had the draw is because we were going to have a feud right afterwards and it makes you want to see who's going to win it even more. But okay. I don't, I don't worry. This is completely unscientific. Sure. This no, is no, just no. me like, here's 10 matches and we're going to talk about them. Yeah. Uh, O'Connor versus Evil on August 12th. I thought for the reasons that we talked earlier, there was a lot of dynamics that just really hit the bullseye for me. And the, the it coalesced into the perfect dynamics given all the fluctuating changes in New Japan. So that was in there. Uh, Taichi versus Okada on July 15th. Yeah. Yeah, boy, was Taichi great in that match. And Okada's always terrific, but Taichi really stepped up and put in a good performance. Yep. Uh, we got Osprey versus Finley from August 10th. That was an excellent match. Uh, the opening where Finley had his war dog waiting for him and Osprey came out and then he pulled back with Ocon and Cobb. And there was, there was the bullshit shenanigans throughout it, but it just kind of worked because the history between Finley and Osprey is actually a little more potent than you'd, than you'd think. Uh, Osprey versus Naito from yesterday, August 12th. Damn. Yep. Yeah. Not much to say to that. Stuff. I mean, it's uh, fantastic stuff. Okada versus Osprey from July 27th. It was the uh, Osprey win. We've talked about it. There, there's not much to touch on for that one. Uh, ELP versus Osprey from yeah. August 6th. I love that match. That's the if there were a number that would probably be in the two category for for the show, and then I did put Okada versus Naito from the main event as the best match of this tournament, and uh, those are the ten. And I threw in if there was the best Sonata match because I did not believe he had any of the top ten matches in this thing. I believe his match versus Kiyomiya was his best match, slightly edging out the Yoda Suji. Okay, I, I just want to toss in one. Zack Saber and Cobb, I thought had a really strong match. I really like Zack and Cobb. Yeah, I really like yeah. that one. I would not so, argue putting that in there instead of Okada versus Evil or something like that. I freely admit that there are some Homer picks in there, and you know that is that was definitely viable enough to be in a, any top ten. I just I don't think it's val I don't think it's viable at all without uh, at least five Yano matches and two Chase Owens matches. So. <laughs> Uh, All right, so War Hero says. Well, well, War Hero says Balor and JDM will return to take back Bullet Club. Well, if you if you have some inside information on that, I think that would be the revelation of the year. I call that a bold that. prediction, my friend. Bold prediction. You know, I, I would love someday to see Balor come back late in his. I mean, he should not leave WWE. He's doing great. They're pushing the shit out of him. Do not leave. Uh, as as it stands right now, they they seem to understand what they have with him. I'd love to see him back in the New Japan ring before he retires once, wouldn't you? Though I mean, just uh, against some of these newer generation guys, I think it'd be fabulous. Any opportunity for any wrestler to test the free market and make more money and get more exposure is something that I gladly welcome. If you wanted to make a run right after a, a solid WWE run and. Uh, and do kind of a victory lap, my God, that would be fantastic. I do kind he, of think that he's a, he's, a, he's a bit of a lifer at WWE now. Yeah, and he, and he should be. They're treating him well. He's doing. Yeah. He's in a good spot there. It's, it's he the same worked thing with very Kevin. hard to get to this point. 
Same thing with Kevin Owens. Like I, I'd love to see Kevin Owens against a lot of people that aren't in WWE as well. I would love mm-hmm. to see those matches. You can't argue with Kevin Owens signing with WWE. The way they treat him, the way totally. they position him, the way I mean, the guy's just—he's—he's he's making tons of money. He's doing—he's in a good spot. So Finn, same way. But man, it, yeah, he missed Hiromu by only the a what of if years. is just so nice. <laughs> I know it. And uh, Callan mentions uh, who team with Kiyomiya today. It's Oiwa. Uh, Oiwa. Yeah. Rohe, and I do think. Rohe Oiwa. Ryohei Oiwa. I think he might. And we mentioned we might. he might be going over there for his excursion. Perhaps. Not announced. but it's, Part of it maybe. Hints, it feels like with the interaction with Noah that it seems a little too close to home. Maybe it's just part of part of the away, away term. But he's going somewhere else. And then uh, Brad says, it's a great list, Jeremy. Hard to argue with most of those for your top 10. He mentions one other thing, though. I might put on Yano versus Naito for Naito. Oh, fantastic. I know people hated that bullshit. I was here for it. <laughs> no, that was funny. Uh, it was funny that he <laughs> took so long. It's because Yano plays it up so much that he's impatient with Naito. He does a good job of playing that. Come on, hurry up. That when he took so long taunting Yano that his music started over, he just said, oh, crap, I got to run over. And he runs to the back, suddenly springing into action so that he can do his slow entrance again. That's good comedy right there. You know what I got to do, Stephen? I got to congratulate you, and I'm going to congratulate me right now because I have listened to a few podcasts, and I have (laughs) realized that not everyone covering the G1 has watched every match of the G1. (laughs) (laughs) And so it, it is a hard thing to do. And I hate doing it because by this point, I'm like, I'm so burnt. But we made it and we killed it. And God damn it, I tip my cap to you, Stephen Conway. You worked your ass off. (laughs) Thank you. You know, I enjoy it. I have a good time. The only thing is now we have this Multiverse United show. And we're going to preview that on Thursday, by the way, on our regular Mm -hmm. show, the Multiverse United show and the All-Star Junior Festival. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we come back Thursday at the same time, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, 4.30 Texas time. Out in the east, it's 5.30, west, uh, 2.30. Uh, we'll be back previewing those. Then we're kind of off until September. And then and a little I a mean, we may talk September. about the Rev Pro show. The the all-in will have some kind of New no, Japan stuff to talk about. There'll be adjacency, but it's just like, this is this is kind of off-season. You know, it's like we're, we're going into like the real New Japan plant. I guess Kobe and... Destruction in Kobe? Destruction is next. Yeah, the Destruction Tour and then the big Kobe show. And I'm looking forward to that. I am looking forward to catching up on the Five Star Grand Prix, which I am Mm -hmm. uh, several days behind on now just because these shows have been coming so fast and so furious. But I know that there has been some wonderful matches in the Five Star Grand Prix. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I got a lot of AEW and WWE to catch (laughs) up on, too. Boy, my DVR is... is, I I am the only thing that I'm behind on is the latest episode of Collision. I don't know how this happened. Uh, I am caught up on everything in wrestling besides Collision because I don't watch Stardom. And you are the you are the stardom guy in in, the, in our relationship here, and I I cannot give you that ground. I cannot I can't take that from you, Stephen. I'm too good at what I do to take another thing from you. Oh, listen to that. <laughs> listen to you. So yeah, um, we'll be doing that. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of stardom, don't forget uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Scott Edwards is going to be talking about the big stardom show today, right here on this YouTube feed, right there. So, so yeah, what's I'm, that list that uh, Chris Samsa came up with? And that yeah. we kind of looked at of what we can look forward to in potential feuds for New Japan going forward. In case you are interested in New Japan, what you'll get with your New Japan World match, New Japan World and the matches that will be offered within it. Let's go down the list. Let's do that. So we know that the World Heavyweight Champion Sonata will be facing Evil, 
at some point, probably at either Destruction, King of Pro Wrestling. Both those shows are coming. And then Tetsuya Naito will face whoever the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion is at Wrestle Kingdom this year. We also have uh, Naito probably or most certainly defending that briefcase against Jeff Cobb, who beat him in the G1. So Cobb will have an opportunity to face Naito for the briefcase and the Wrestle Kingdom shot. I expect Naito to successfully defend that, but it is a possibility there uh, that they have Cobb in that. So uh, that is uh, involves the briefcase and the World Heavyweight Championship. Never open weight. Looking like Tamatanga is going to get a rematch after what happened at Dominion where he was carried out. He seems to be the primary cha challenger for David Finlay. Agreed? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, Sorry, no, I, no. <laughs> I had a look on your face like I had said something I was checking I something, and I was like, oh, he's running down there. I'm going to check this no, real so, quick. And then he got like, caught, and I'm like, did I freeze? Uh-oh. <laughs> no, I was just like, did I just make an ass out of myself? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, The UK title, I do that on my own. UK title, Will Ospreay. It looks like it's going to be Yoda Suji, who just pinned Will. And uh, seems uh, interested in challenging for that UK title. I'm excited about that one. King of Pro Wrestling. Show just hit the shock arrow and pinned Taichi. He seems like the most likely challenger for King of Pro Wrestling. For the IWGP heavyweight tag team title, looks like Bishamon will be facing TMDK, being Mike Nichols, Mikey Nichols and Shane Haste. For the strong tag team title, looks like the War Dogs group will be facing Hikaleo and El Fantasmo at some point. And looking at the strong singles title, Eddie Kingston and Hanare. The other one that we are fairly certain about for the TV title, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Bolton Oleg, uh, who, will, uh, who, of course, won the, the TV title shot through the gauntlet. That'll be an intriguing one. And then, uh, yeah, we, we don't know about the junior title, Hiromu's title. It doesn't really have a challenger at the moment. Same with the trio's title. We also know that the IWGP... Uh, strong women's title looking like it's going to be Julia facing either or both of Giselle Shaw and Deanna Parazzo. looks like that, that At picture was muddied United a little bit. Yeah. Something like that okay. in Philadelphia. And then, uh, you know, that we, my, we in the IWGP women's title, uh, that defense coming there and uh, big one today against, uh, Utami Hayashita. So, uh, yeah, uh, lots going on there, but we don't know much about those yet going into the future. Going down the list of title matches that were potentially introduced today and yesterday, is there any one of those that seemed that possibly a title switch? That's a good question. Um, TMDK over Bishamon could be That's very That's the possible. one I kind of thought would be like, that could be a direction that they go to. It felt like they pivoted back to Bishamon uh, around the time that they, uh, when they had to because Oxy Open signed and they had to vacate the titles and the whole deal. So I kind of wondered if TMDK, this might be their tag time. They were a little too obnoxious during uh, the G1 to fade back into obscurity. So hmm, just, just wondering about that. We're getting some word here, by the way. Julia, Momo Kogo, Diana Parazzo, and Giselle Shaw in a fatal four-way, according to both Benkin, uh, Bjorn, and Colin. So, oh, okay. Well, Our I mean, listeners a... coming to the rescue of our incompetence. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm catching up, guys, I promise. Uh, but uh, if that's the case, that's that's a hell of a match. That, she was great really in that tournament. 
Yeah, it's great. In the yeah, tag Momo, too. Uh, Momo, you know, Momo is low on the low on the totem pole in her faction in Stardom, but she's not low on talent. She's a fabulous no. talent. It's just that she's in a faction that's absolutely loaded with Mayu, Mayu Iwatani, Azuki, uh, Koguma. I mean, it's it, and Hanan is getting a push. So it's it's uh, wins are hard to come by for Momo, but it's not because she isn't good. It's just because she's in a faction that's loaded with uh, stars that are protected. All right, we got any more comments we need to file through real quick? I think that's it, except uh, Venkin says the best decision he made last year was watching stardom. So, I, you know, like, again, you know, the, the fact that some of these people are being incorporated into New Japan shows really adds nice uh, flavor to uh, these. Uh, wrestling is supposed to be a variety show. There's supposed to be something in it for everybody, and I'm glad that we're getting to see talent like this on uh, a New Japan stage as well. So that's just about all I had there. All right, well... Uh... I want to thank everyone who stopped in Me to too. talk, speaking of strong style, New Japan Pro Wrestling, the G1 Finals. This was, as, as much as I make jokes, this was a incredibly gratifying experience this year to participate, to have live shows, to have tape shows. We had an opportunity to have Dave Meltzer on uh, before we ever started this uh, coverage of our G1 tournament talking about the G1. Uh, there's just been a lot of people supporting us. The fans, people behind the scenes, uh, we work really, really hard uh, to give you this product that we do, and uh, we don't, we don't under we we care very much about what we put on for this show for for you all. And so, thank you so much for all the support. This is a special live show that we did for the Fight Game Media Patreon. We are usually back every Thursday talking news reviews theory and general conversation about new japan pro wrestling same time 2 30 pacific 5 30 eastern 4 30 texas time we would love to have you here every week absolutely and so for jeremy feinstone i'm stephen conway thanks again for giving your time to us here at speaking of strong style we'll be back thursday so we will see you and talk to you again very soon